So we have a few points of order today. Some delicious hot news for you masses and for you real weirdos. So I saw this morning today that LeBron James has won the Razzie for 2022 Worst Actor. (laughs) <laughs> I thought that was fucking hilarious for Space Jam, obviously. Yeah, for Space Jam, I don't think he's prolific in other like movies, you know. Yeah, I mean, but like, is that fair? No, it's it's not fair. I mean, he's not an actor. Like, but it's the hilarious. But yeah, it's not fair. You're definitely right. It's great because that's what that movie deserves. That's what that like <laughs> heartless cash grab deserves. Yeah. Did you see it? No. Oh. Yeah, but to call like to give him a Razzie because for being a bad actor, it's like or worst acting probably because he's not a be- he's not an actor. But I know it just seems it's funny, but it seems like a little unfair. Like I would have rather given it to like I don't know Chris Pratt and anything. Mm, Chris Pratt was not very good in the Tomorrow War. That's I saw him. I'm trying to think. That's a good question though. Is like what was the worst performance of the year? I don't know. I don't well, generally like watch a lot of new bad movies. I just do the older ones. When yeah. I subject you guys to things like Christmas with the Cranks and Samurai Cop and stuff. Yeah, Samurai Cop is uh, not a bad movie. No, nah, I mean it is, but it's not. <laughs> uh, everyone knows about Samurai Cop. But um, another point of order. Uh, I was I was thinking about watching the Oscars this year because I've seen like a lot of the movies. Um, but then I saw that uh. Old Amy Schumer was going to be the host. And I was like, nope, I'm out. See you later. You know, it's funny because I actually love the Oscars, even with all of their bullshit and glitz. And like, I mean, I'm from L.A., so maybe I'm like biased and it's like a cultural thing. But I don't know. There's something about the Oscar hate that I feel like I get and I agree with. But. I don't know what it is anymore. Like I, I just like to watch them because I, it's the only like celebration of film and movies that we have in this country that is like somewhat legitimate. I guess you could say mm. Cannes. Yeah, but Cannes isn't that French? Isn't is that like a French film festival? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. it is. Well, there you go then. So like, I appreciate all the European fucking accolades and whatnot, but like the Academy Awards are like there are some films that when they win the Oscar, I'm like yes. Because I wanted it to. But then there are other years where I'm just like, now fuck all these movies or something. So it's hard for me just because it's like the only legitimate and I feel like the only like standardized award show that I care about. Mm. I don't give a fuck about the Golden Globes. I like Emmys because it's TV, you know, but. It's a publicity thing, you know, like if yeah. like when we were talking about when we were uh, doing Parasite way back when, it was great that Parasite won an Oscar because it was great that a Korean director was succeeding so strongly in the American market. So when movies that deserve recognition get that recognition through the Oscars, that makes them valuable because now he can go on and do other great movies because he has this kind of thing, this accolade on his resume. But it's not really, I think, the Oscars as far as a show. I mean, the show's boring, who cares? But 
it, I think it's just more like the hate is towards the Academy and like just the systemic destruction of the movie industry that they have been responsible for. Like mm. the racial bias, the, the gender bias, like the Academy has gatekept so many amazing directors and actors from succeeding because of their agenda. Yeah. They're doing like a massive overcorrection this year by having I think the hosts are Wanda Sykes and uh Amy Schumer maybe another one nothing against Wanda Sykes um just both really unfunny comedians like it's yeah, just okay. like we're just gonna well, have two yeah. unbelievably unfunny comedians it's like okay here's my thoughts on the Oscars I I, I think they're kind of interesting because not because I put any stock in them it's like oh my movie didn't win or whatever although it is cool especially when something like Parasite wins. And we talked about that because it is putting a really amazing artistic film that people might not have seen or might not have like permeated the consciousness and blowing it up. And I think that when it does that, it's really cool. But more so, it just it just shows me movies that might be really good from the year. They might might be, might not be, but it's it's movies to check out. And generally, you have a standard of quality. But I don't care who wins or anything like that because I know there's like a lot of lobbying. It's almost like winning a political race. Um, yeah. But when you have somebody like Amy Schumer, it's like, I don't want to hear her talk about movies. I love movies. That's going to make me like movies less. And it's like to make this clear, like, <laughs> you know, Amy Schumer is a, a joke thief and she has stolen many material many but she's stolen a lot of material <laughs> from a lot of different comedians and that is in my world in my worldview just unforgivable to steal someone's content and their work so she's a thief and wanda sykes you know has kind of just fallen off like these two irrelevant characters somehow are getting thrust into the spotlight of the oscars and everyone's gonna feel that awkwardness Who's the third one? Let me look this up. Why comedians? To be honest, like, I know Bob Hope had his run, and, like, you know, comedians generally are, like, very sociable, and they can, like, say things off the cuff, and they can, like, kind of handle things, like, with a plum. But to be honest, dude, I would rather have someone, like, who, he's a comedian, but I would rather have, like, Conan host, because he's also a talk show host, and, like, I just want someone to, like, to see someone swiftly pass along the ceremony fuck i could have even taken someone like alex trebek like i just don't care about the host as much and that turned into its own like little focus way back like you billy know, like, crystal yeah like fucking i don't i just don't give a fuck who hosts regina hall who's regina hall sounds familiar um, well, it's like, you know, Ricky Gervais did the Golden Globes for a few years. Those years were the highest viewed years of the Golden Globes just because everyone wanted to hear Ricky Gervais tear celebrities apart. Yeah. Isn't that <laughs> indicative of how much people don't like you? Is that their only reason they're going to watch is if you hire someone to insult you? So it's like, if the Oscars want to get some viewership, dude, put Burr as a host. Bill Burr, Bill Burr would be amazing. Bill Burr still yeah. respects Hollywood to a level because he's an actor and he won't say too much to like, I guess, make the Oscars not want to choose him. But goddamn, would he fucking kill? Would he just be so sarcastic and be pointing out all of the hypocrisy, but at the same time being like, all right, next day, it would just be so perfect. 
He would have the right amount of reverence and the right amount of just like sardonic evisceration. You it would know? be perfect. <laughs> be he, he could perfectly yeah. balance tearing everybody apart while still not like uh, breaking up the status quo, like not making people feel too uncomfortable, which I think the Oscars is worried about. Whereas Enrique Gervais was like, I don't give a shit. Like, I will say whatever I want, and I don't think the Oscars want that. It's like, this movie is so long that by the end of it, Leo's girlfriend was too old for him. I and love that like, Leo, Damn. like, Leo was such a good sport with that joke. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he, like, laughed. he laughed. He knows. Yeah. He knows. Oh, he knows. Um, who do you who do you want to win this year, though, Alex? Who are you rooting for? Who do you have money on at the bookies? Oh, dude, I haven't even looked at the nominees. <laughs> no, I mean, I like just kind of going into it. My favorite are, like, the foreign film selections, because, like you said, the, it, like, shows me some quality film that I could get into. I love the shorts. I love the animated films, but I don't I have no idea what's I mean West Side Story is probably nominated, right? Yeah. We'll just we'll just make this episode we'll make this episode Oscar Talk and the movie. <laughs> so we've got Nightmare Alley. That's the new uh Del Toro movie. Guillermo Del Toro movie. Ah uh, okay. I thought it was incredibly disappointing. I saw it. Oh um yeah All I right. wasn't I wasn't a big fan. Really good uh filmmaking and acting but the story was just very predictable and didn't do much you have don't look up with leo didn't see that uh, that was a netflix movie right this is a netflix movie yeah, about see. about you know global warming or a comet or whatever yep um you have dune dune is on there that's mine you get a japanese film called drive my car uh, you got Belfast. Belfast is good. Kenneth Branagh, one of his non-bad movies. Kenneth Branagh is weird. He makes really good movies and really bad movies. It's really strange. Uh, Licorice Pizza by Paul Thomas Anderson, which I haven't seen yet. I don't no. know. I don't know why. I think yeah. we've all been kind of like subconsciously thinking we're gonna save it for an episode. Yeah, because like we have, we to. have to. I need to watch it. All Paul Thomas Anderson fans. It just kind of makes sense. Yeah, this is some of our most viewed content is the Paul Thomas Anderson stuff. And Man on Fire. And Man on Fire. So we should do all Denzel movies, too. Uh, yes, by that the logic. Denzels. Uh, the Power of the Dog, the starring Jeff's favorite, Cumberbatch. Not my favorite. Oh, Benadryl. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Just <laughs> He's good in, like, two things. things. <laughs> like, okay, I was like, where did that come from? You mean Doctor Strange and Avengers 2. Oh, right? yeah, of course. Yeah, because yeah. you know how much West Side Story. Of course. Yeah, King Richard, which is some fucking, like, biopic starring Will Smith. I don't know. About the Serena sisters, the Williams sisters. I was going to say, is that the tennis one? Yeah, it's the tennis one about their dad. And Coda, which is a movie. It's a Led Zeppelin album. It is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely Dune. That's my pick. Easy. And if if Green Knight can fudge its way in there somehow. Nah, (laughs) no way. That's not nominated. Pig wasn't nominated. Um, Tragedy Macbeth wasn't nominated. So, like, so many snubs. I mean, Denzel was nominated. Denzel was nominated, I think. Um, I- I'm going to say my pick is Licorice Pizza. I haven't even seen it yet. I actually heard that it's very like uh, divisive amongst Paul Thomas Anderson fans. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, I've heard there's the like it's definitely oh, it's, it's a very big departure from his usual style. Well, we might we might end up in a situation, Alex, similar to when we reviewed the French Dispatch, where we expect to love it and are like, ah, I don't know. Where are the best directors or like screenplay? 
Those um, ones I care about a lot too. Let's see here. Do 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 do. Uh, why are they at the bottom? International feature film screenplay. Which ones did you want? Director. Director. David Fincher's uh, nominated for May. Nice. That would be a few years ago. Oh. No, it says. You're looking at the wrong year. Oh there, no, 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 buddy. no, you're right. He got he got nominated <laughs> in 2021. Sorry, I forgot which year we were in. People. Last two years of a haze. We have the directors of The Power of the Dog and Drive My Car. You have Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, and Stevie Spielberg for West Side so Story. So the exact same fucking movies that are nominated, just the yeah. directors. Great. Usually. Great. I mean, that's usually how that it goes. Make any sense. Right? But they made the best movies, right? Why wouldn't the best movies be made by the best yeah, directors? No, that's not true. The best director could have a, 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 a half-decent director... With a good crew, could still make a really great movie that's worthy of an Oscar nom. I could see Barry Lyndon winning Best Director, but not getting nominated for like Best Picture. I could see Barry Lyndon winning like like Best Picture to like show to your grandma on her deathbed. Best cinematography for sure. <laughs> Best cinematography for sure. Yeah. He 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 really zo- he really zooms out. I know. He's like, now, now press the zoom yeah, button. And that's cinematography. <laughs> Setting that camera on a tripod and then slowly zooming out with a remote. Fucking mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, not a big fan of a classical Barry Lyndon, but a big fan of uh, to to draw us back <laughs> to the focus of this episode, Kung Fu Panda Three. Yep, that's what we're Kung doing. Pao Enter the nope. Fist. <laughs> Kung Fury. No. Nope. Kung. Fu Jungle. I wish. That sounds interesting. <laughs> Kung Fu Jungle? That's like, a movie. It's like dude just going through the jungle, like just fighting all the animals. Um, I don't know. It's a movie I have on my list and I forgot what it is, so maybe we'll <laughs> maybe we'll do that. <laughs> I don't know. To see what it is first. It's an actual movie? It is. It is an actual movie. Yeah. It's like it's just Kung Fu Jungle. Like I'm imagining it played very straight. Like all the animals are just trained animals, and the guy's just going through like punching the shit out of oh, them. Oh, this is why I found it. It has Donnie Yen in it, so that's how I found it. Is he? It, he's it, uh, it Man, right? Donnie yeah, Yen? he is. Yeah, a martial arts instructor from the police force gets imprisoned after killing a man by accident. But when a vicious killer starts targeting martial arts masters, the instructor offers to help the police in return for his freedom. So, it's not taking place in a jungle, unfortunately. Well, then they should be arrested for false advertising. Because I was excited about Kung Fu in a jungle. Yeah, me too. This just sounds like a bog standard kind of like, I don't know, city city Kung Fu movie. Yeah. But today, welcome back to The Real Weirdos. We're two and a half white men with English degrees talk about movies for way too goddamn long. Today, after an extended intro... We're talking about Kung Fu Hustle, 2004 film from director uh, Stephen Cho, I believe. Stephen Cho. I accidentally clicked off the IMDb page to go to Kung Fu Jungle. We got the trifecta here, the great trifecta, actor, star, and director. Mm. That's the triple threat. Actor, actor, and star. You mean writer? Oh, yeah. Sorry, actor, writer, writer, director. director. (laughs) He is the star of the show. And Jeff... You had us watch Kung Fu Hustle. I did. Tell me why. Tell me why. Um, 
One, well, the main reason was because Alex had not seen this movie. And I think it's just like one of those movies that even if you don't like it, I think you should still see it because it's just so fun and silly and fun to like take a minute to divorce yourself from reality and delve into this really weird noir kung fu world it's so unique to itself like it's chi it's a chinese movie it was produced and made i believe in china and released to american audience and it's it's so such a diversion from the normal kung fu that it becomes parody it becomes satire it becomes making fun of all of these really gritty serious kung fu movies and boiling them down to more and more progressively ridiculous fight scenes and antics and I just I don't know and the second reason was because we have been in a bit of a a pit as far as content we've been really going deep in the I mean come on come on was a little bit of a a lift up but for the most part I thought this movie would kind of put a smile on all our faces you mean a pit in terms of not like content wise but like just we're doing really serious films yeah just like just this like yeah. pit of like whoa and like breaking down intense scenes and just really like feeling it's like now nah, let's put I was going to choose a movie that's just like let's smile laugh hour and a half in and out and then it's just yeah. like have some fun and then bring it all back down with Jesse's pick yeah oh we're bringing it way back down into weirdo land yep for my pick so. Titan baby but that'll be next week um yeah you're right it's a spoof movie it's it's essentially a spoof movie it's a really well done spoof movie um, but before I jump into my thing, I want to hear Alex. Alex, what would you think of Kung Fu Panda? Well, I love that movie, but I love this movie I too. I see Jeff shaking his head there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this movie, like Jeff said, it's not like they're not trying to do anything like, I don't know. It's hard for me to say because I don't have the words to do it. So I'm just going to say this movie was never made to be like a good movie. It's not like Crouching Tiger or like House of Flying Daggers, where it's like a Ooh, serious, you know. I love that one. Oh, they're great movies. Hero. But this movie was so fucking fun. <laughs> and this movie is fucking hilarious. It's hilarious. I, I mean, it is a comedy, obviously, with like a little bit of like action, you know. Not a little bit, excuse me. This movie was just, I thought it was fucking hilarious. I thought it turned like the kung fu genre on its head in a good way and in a subtle way that, like you said, it's a spoof movie but in the best like possible. It's indulgent, it's self-referential, but like to the whole genre of Kung Fu. And I don't know, it does it so well. And yeah, I really liked it. And I'm glad it was the first time I watched this movie. Also, this movie made fucking a ton of money. Yeah. So I, I don't know, it was pretty successful. No, it was released, I was tell talking to Jesse about this before the podcast. Uh, it was released during when, uh, when China was being inundated by Kung Fu movies. They were just producing them left and right. And this was kind of like made as like a response to that, like almost a breath of fresh air in this sea of intense Kung Fu movies. Yeah, this film came out, I was in high school at the time, in my, in my little high school days. And uh, I don't... I don't remember exactly where we saw it, but I, it, it sort of resonated. Like, people in high school were talking about this movie, and that's when I first saw it, which is interesting. Um, and I couldn't remember. I don't think I had seen it since then. Maybe maybe I saw it again, like, 12 years ago or something, but it's been out for almost 20 years. Um, so revisiting it, uh, yeah, it was... <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy, is this movie kinetic 
ridiculous and dumb. <laughs> this movie is dumb and <laughs> so okay I enjoyed it I enjoyed this movie I thought it was well done like for what it was doing I definitely had some problems with it but I almost feel like a stupid asshole trying to like analyze it <laughs> in any kind of like meaningful like English major way <laughs> but but if there 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 are flaws though and there are flaws that drew me out of it like going into the second half especially where the characterization and narrative flow had some problems i didn't know what the central character was until like i mean i i sort of saw where it was going but the movie didn't do a whole lot to to signpost that or to like make a plot out of it really it's very disconnected very disjointed it's more about like being a Looney Tunes movie than telling a plot a lot of the time. And um, the characters were very thin and motivations were largely non-existent except for the shoehorned in like character arc of the main guy. But does this matter is the question. And I guess that depends on you. Well, it's, it's not about, does it matter or not? I would, like I said before, I, I view this as less of a movie and more of a stage performance, a play. You know, you have these these settings. You have like the city, almost you can almost see it on the script, like setting, city streets at night, lights glowing. Like you know, it's they have these sets that feel very disconnected from reality. You have like the the pigsty alley, and that's a set that you keep going back to over and over again. And then you have like the city streets where they're all crouching, where the two main characters, the goofs, like hang out in the little like traffic light on the top. Like that's a setting. And then you have like the the club where um, like the casino where the all the gang members hide out and like that's the setting and so it's like almost like the curtain is dropped and then picked back up again and you have like this setting this this play set that you're familiar with and all these characters and choreography and this movie is so beautifully chore- choreographed like to a huge degree like so many extras involved especially with like the axemen and and the way they move and it's just so fun it doesn't. It recognized its own faults and decided, you know what, fuck it. I'm just gonna, Stephen Chow's almost like, that's not the point. I'm gonna go and make a movie that will make people smile from ear to ear from the first like second to the last closing. And yeah, it does progressively get more Looney Tunes. Like the final fight is like almost something straight out of like Space Jam, like the first one or something like that. Like him coming down with the <laughs> Buddhist fists and he's like on fire and shit. It's like Dragon Ball Z. But I will say, I don't think I've seen a movie that has a stronger opening than the opening of this film. Pretty much everything from the beginning and then like them coming into Pigsty Alley and getting into a big fight and then the Axemen coming. Like I consider that whole thing the intro to this movie. You mean like the introduction of Pigsty Alley and like the baker and all the characters and stuff like that? The, the main characters wander in and then the axe and you find out they're all like, you have, they have three kung fu fighters there that are just kind of under the guise of everyday people. And it's just, right. it, it's a very... It takes a while for you to see that though. Like yeah. that they're, they're kung fu dudes. I mean, I, I think all of this is kind of put in through the first like 30 minutes of the movie. Not even, like first like 20 minutes. I mean, it's 98 minutes long. It's pretty like tight. And like, I liked how the movie was moving along. Yeah, it didn't, it doesn't waste your time. It doesn't try to overly expose, like do like a lot of exposition on a really like 
loose and thin story. Like they don't try to like tell you the history of the gangs or the history of this world. It's just this weird, super noir Chinese gang world. And you're just supposed to kind of like remove yourself from reality and kind of immerse in the utter ridiculousness. Mm. But then they still are being very true to Kung Fu. Like all the, all the Kung Fu is so brilliantly choreographed, obviously done by masters or highly proficient oh, students. Hell yeah. Like yeah. the Kung Fu is on point. So it's like, it's a parody, but at the same time, they're still respecting the martial art of Kung Fu, which is great. Yeah. And I like how, so I feel like we have to talk about another movie we reviewed in Blade of the Immortal. Like I kept thinking mm. of that film when I was watching this one, just in terms of style and like, the kinetic energy that they had. Uh, this one is obviously a little like lighter in tone where Blade of Immortal was, it acknowledged too that it was kind of stylistic and lighter. It acknowledged like, its camp elements, but it yeah, was still exactly. like incredibly brutal. Yeah. Yeah. And like solemn and serious where this is like a good time, but the director, um, to bring it back to your guys' thing about Looney Tunes, he was talking in this interview about how he was getting bored of just like the basic kinetic motions and movement of Kung Fu movies where he was just like, it's all the fucking same. You walk into a restaurant, some guy throws a dish or something and it's like there are limbs and everything. He was like, I'm just done with that. So the scene where the landlady was chasing after me, he's like, everyone was like, that looks like the Roadrunner from Looney Tunes when he's like running. And he goes, that's where I got my inspiration. He's like, I used to read comic books and watch cartoons, like American cartoons all day. And he's like, I still do. And that's where he drew the inspiration for a lot of like the kinetic choreography and like movement, which it makes sense. Like Blade to the Immortal. And we talked about the translation to like from anime medium to film. Yeah, You kind of see like the same thing here, just with a little Looney Tunes like twist to it god i love you alex like fucking it's so you're so right like the it's and i love that you gave that context that's so great thank you for doing that because it's like this it's like a western noir comic book but chinese it's so weird it's like because noir like chinese noir is not something that i'm very familiar with you know and I have to say, I'm, I'm, I, I don't understand what you, what you're meaning by noir in this context. Can you like unpack that a little bit? Well, noir is a setting. It, it's like this kind of '50s, '60s, uh, you know, the, the big wide brim hats, the, the kind of stylistic like hyper neon lighting, the, the jazz uh, backgrounds, like the weird like, like the muted trumpets. I always just associate it with like more of a dusky environment than like a hyper environment. You know what I mean? Like tonally. Yeah, that's the point is that this movie is taking everything that right. is serious and turning it on its head and making it funny. So gotcha. noir, which is serious and intense and dusky. It's like, no, let's make it silly and bright and funny and goofy with like these ugly girls in pretty clothes who think they're pretty and like you know it's like <laughs> everything and like a lot of like playing with like gay um themes which chinese movies never even like tried to touch before so you have like two very flamboyant gay um one is the the um one of the kung fu fighters the uh the guy the iron the old fist guy. yeah and then the other is the the young guy was like shampooing his hair and then like the water got turned off and he's got his pants halfway down the whole movie. 
And like when they're giving him a haircut, he like looks at his bare ass and looks back up at him and he's like, you know, it's like this whole weird, these weird concepts that they just keep turning and keep turning and it makes the movie so fucking lovable. Because it's like you, you realize that there's nothing to be taken serious here. All the analytical shit in your brain, turn it off. Turn it off and just have a good time. See, I think maybe that's my problem with it is maybe I'm unable to do that. Cause I, so I, like I said, I, I think this is a good movie. I think it's, I think it's really well done and does exactly what it sets out to do. And I think it deserves the adulation that it has received both critically and from the audiences and monetarily. Like you said, it was a very successful film. I had trouble watching it this time. I think because it got too silly and I didn't have enough to connect with in terms of like a character or a storyline. And when it got like to super ridiculous levels of silliness, I kind of tuned out. And I and I think like I prefer something like Blade of the Immortal where it's a little more grounded or in terms of this, like in terms of like action comedy, I'm a bigger fan of something like Jackie Chan because that still feels grounded, right? And it's still like telling a story. And it's hard to like say that this is, it's hard to like level this as like a really serious criticism, I guess, to, to draw back to what I said again earlier. But um, it's, I did find it somewhat uninvolving this time around. I, and I just, yeah, I just have to say that. I, the second half especially like felt really long to me. So I have like a concept that's gonna seem pretty thin. I'm gonna stretch it pretty thin. But there's something similar to me about, like you brought up Jackie Chan and his kung fu movies were like legendary because that main character, I don't know, people could connect to this like weird whimsical main character on the screen more than they could to someone like Bruce Lee when he was doing his kung fu movies. And the focus of kung fu movies at the the onset was to film and choreograph the fighting, the kung fu, right? Whenever I think of this, and the way that they try to have been like, no, I actually want to make a good movie, but it's also a kung fu movie. I always think of fucking um, Burt Reynolds' character in Boogie Nights, where he's like, this is a real film. I'm making a real film. Like porn, the, the focus is the porn. It's the sex. But in the 70s and the 80s, there was like this movement to kind of be like, well, we can kind of try and make it relatable. We can try and kind of like give them something to connect to. And... Kung Fu movies, I feel like, have gone along the same kind of, like, path. There are other movies and genres that are like that, where the focus is, like, just that one thing. Like, war movies were just, like, shoot them up, throw the Nazi through the window, we're done. And now it's more just like, you know, we're going to tell a story and everything like that. So, this movie maybe suffers from, like, focusing a little too much on, like, the action part of it. But again... Because at the onset, it sets itself up as that type of movie. I don't know. I just feel like I'm like, okay, this is like a kung fu movie with a little bit of story thrown into it. So that the main focus for me is the experience of watching it. But I get what you're saying, Jesse. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's hard. What is his name? The main character, Singh? Is it uh, Singh? I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, Singh. Yeah, Singh. I, I don't know. I've seen this movie 40 times. I have known none of the characters' names. <laughs> right? Like, you, you don't really connect to those characters. You're just like, this shit is cool to watch. I had a thought, though, before Jeff moves us on. Um, do you think that Lars von Trier is the ultimate incarnation of uh, Burt Reynolds' character in Boogie Nights? 
<laughs> I don't know. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> like, sorta. He's making, like, really high-minded pornography now with things like Antichrist and Nymphomaniac. I don't know. I could just see Willem Dafoe with his little, like, headband and his shirt off in, like, a backyard of a pool party. <laughs> just being like, no, I'm fucking ready now. It's like, it's my dick. I'm ready oh, to go. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's great. Oh. oh, man. No, so I just wanted to respond to you, Alex, because, like, and to you, Jesse, I think that what this movie does so successfully is that it is so ridiculous and campy and yet still can be tight and fun to watch. And that is, in my mind, an accomplishment of itself. If you think about it, like, a lot of the times people try to do shit like this. They try to take higher-minded concepts or just movies that have a big following and they try to distill them down into something mm. more silly and fun. And they, to my world, always fail. It's always either insulting to the original medium or just not funny and it doesn't make any sense or like out of touch. But this movie seems to be able to be silly, be satirical, and still be a good kung fu movie. And I think that in itself is a really great accomplishment. Yeah, so that's that's that brings up an interesting point um, that's more of a broader point about what what quantifies is like a good spoof movie because i would say this is a spoof movie but there is a gamut right you have like things that are really well done like the first austin powers movie in my opinion um especially when you buttress that against things like like i don't know like scary movie date three. movie scary movie three disaster movie all those movie movies um that are just complete garbage like absolute garbage it's just references thrown at the screen ad nauseum for like no there's no like jokes in them yeah it's just like look at this person this movie simultaneously functions as a spoof movie and as its own like legitimate piece of art for the problems that i have with it i think it's incredibly well done right for for however like uninvolving i thought it could be at times that's just like me right I, like I don't, I don't consider that generally like a fault of this movie because I think you guys are right in that it's not meant to be that. You have to look at the intent of a film sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I I think that's a really great point. Like this film is successful because it understands what makes spoof movies unsuccessful. And I think Stephen Chow really did his research and did his homework when he was thinking about how do I approach a really well-loved genre in my home country, let alone across the whole world. I mean, everyone loves kung fu movies to a certain degree. Even if, like, you just, like, passively have seen a couple, they're fun. Yeah, if you don't, get out of here. <laughs> but it's like, so to, so to be able to do that in your own home country and do it in a way that's so, res like, funny. Like, I love that the movie is the char main character, if that makes any sense. It's very strange, but the, the setting, the aesthetic... The, the 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 axe gang and then the beast and the beast is like one of my favorite characters yeah <laughs> he's so funny but we'll get to that but it's like it's almost like the whole revolving weird noir world that this is is the character and you care about everybody and nobody at the same time it's so weird i can't i can't describe it in any way that's like less vague than that is there's yeah. just a a well-rounded loving nature to this world that I I'm like oh yeah I, I, I want these kung fu guys to succeed and beat the bad I almost feel like a little kid watching like a Saturday morning cartoon 
It is very reverential of the source material, which is the genre, right? It's it's doing its play on the genre, but it's also reverential. It's not just like, hey, look at this stupid genre. You know, you can tell there's a genuine love for it there. You have all the wacky, not just in the level of the kung fu itself, which is very well done, but in terms of like, and I love this in any movie. I love this in Blade of the Immortal as well, where it's like you have bosses, right? These boss characters like who are masters and they're masters in different ways, who have all these different techniques and like, oh, you, you have this technique. I've never seen it done. I've heard the legends. I fucking love that shit. I don't Jesse know if that's should watch up, anime. <laughs> watch, I, was about, I was literally about to say, I don't know if that's from growing up watching anime, but yeah, it probably like, is because that is the most anime thing ever yeah, yeah that's the biggest anime trope ever is like you get you got the main character you have like the five underbosses, then the three big bosses and then the one yeah. big big boss and that's just yeah, like how I'd, those work and i don't watch anime anymore very much at all but i love it when i see movies that do that because it, it brings me back into that zone where i'm like yes <laughs> <laughs> The acting is really great in this movie. However silly it is, everyone really leans into their role. They really make it theirs. They make it feel tangible in an intangible world, which is really cool, I think. Like, when you have such a fun fantasy world, yet these characters feel very, like, grounded at times. Like, when they're all hunched over Mm -hmm. smoking... And, uh, yeah. and it's like all the vagrants and they, all they do is like hunch over and sit there and smoke and like there's like picking up cigarette butts off the ground that other people throw and stuff it's like there's a, a level of like grounded poverty there where you see like a class system Ugh, maybe like two percent I don't know I don't know I like <laughs> that stuff because it, it's like a it's like a respite it's a break from the chaos because you just have like a little moment where they're just talking and it doesn't feel crazy anymore it just feels normal see to me there was a little bit of tonal disparity there where when you have like grounded moments and then you go five minutes later into looney tunes land there's a disconnect there's definitely a disconnect that happens in my brain so i have a question for you guys it's hard to frame this though what is more bold in your opinion and do you think it's harder to execute when you take a genre like kung fu to make a serious kung fu movie, which has been made, you know, hundreds of times over. Do you think that that is more bold, or do you think it's more bold to do what Chow did here, and to try and like actually make a comedy? Because I feel like comedy is hard to execute well, and I don't know. I just, I'm not saying which one do you guys think would be better, but which one do you think is a braver choice? I definitely. I mean, you know where I'm going. I think this mm-hmm. to do this film. And do it the way Stephen Chow wanted to and executed it exactly and didn't care if it seemed dumb or silly. I think that's a lot braver than just making another run-of-the-mill good kung fu movie. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I would have... <laughs> I hate to do this. I hate... I like. I I would have preferred a, like a really straight good kung fu movie just where I was last night. Uh, um, but uh, like in my brain. But but it but it is definitely it is definitely harder to make a good comedy, especially like an action comedy, right? That's what makes yeah. Jackie Chan so amazing. Like in those like '90s, early 2000s movies, it's just so it's very very difficult, I think. And and like I said earlier, to to do it with the reverence that he clearly has for the genre in this film, um, I think it's like pretty well balanced in that regard. Yeah, definitely. I I agree. 
Because if you had failed with this movie, it would have been fucking embarrassing. Yeah. Oh my right? god. That would have been like a career ender almost. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is that people like hell hath no fury more than a movie audience that doesn't think something is funny. Right? If okay, if they don't like a drama movie, okay, that was too slow. It just wasn't my cup of tea. But when you go to see a movie that's like trying to be funny or is this, is a comedy and it's not. I don't. I get at least more. I get like filled with rage. I'm like, this sucks. Oh, it's like bombing at a comedy show. It's like going to see a comedian and then he bombs. Yeah. And it's like the reason the audience is so hostile when a comedian bombs is because they all came here to laugh, and then the comedian did not provide that. So they're like, the fuck, dude. And that's why yeah. bombing is so fucking mortifying. This is exactly why I'm not gonna watch the Academy Awards starring Amy Schumer. <laughs> <laughs> Like if some dude's doing a dramatic reading of a monologue from like Shakespeare, I would think in my head like, wow, this is this is really cringy. If he sucked, right? I would be like, this is cringy, this sucks, but I'm not gonna be like angry about it. I'm just gonna be like, ooh, I want this to be over for this guy. <laughs> but then the comedy thing, I'm just like, no, I'm supposed to be laughing. Like you promised me the opposite reaction of anger and now I'm just falling into this pit like of anger, so. I fully agree. When comedy movies don't, succeed they are the most reviled i think like yeah yeah, definitely well you can you can have a like a okay action movie you you can have a bad action movie and it can be like interesting on levels you can have a poorly done drama there is something special if about a bad comedy where it is just absolutely 100 percent miserable and i don't yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's like a forgetting Sarah Marshall or one of those movies, you know, like those rom coms or like just those like where it's it's not funny. So why the fuck am I here? It's nothing worse than bad comedy. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. I, I think I think it makes the purchase of the ticket or whatever you know the purchase of the stream so much more. Like that five dollars becomes five hundred dollars just because of yeah. how much you feel insulted by the film. You're like, you owe me money, motherfucker. Right. Like you pay me for watching that piece of shit. So I definitely agree, Alex. Do you guys have a favorite scene or sequence in this oh, film? God, it's, gee, I'm gonna let you guys go first because I have to legitimately think. Um, I mean, I love the Roadrunner chase. I love. Um, I don't know her name. What's her name? The cigarette lady with the hair curlers. The landlady. Forgive me. The landlady. Yeah, the la- yeah. it's landlady because I'm not going to try to pronounce Chinese names. She was probably my favorite character. A, lo- a lot of the scenes that um, she was in, I really liked. Uh, for some reason, I liked the. Uh, I thought that my favorite fight scene was the. Is it a cas- the casino? Yes, the casino it? scene with the the two yeah. of the landlords fighting the beast. So yeah, hilarious. That's probably my favorite scene. That was when I was like all in, and yeah. I was like, this movie's fun. <laughs> I'd probably have to say the the beginning, like the very beginning, where you have when the axe gang is introduced. I think that's probably my favorite scene because you have like it sets the tone for the movie so fucking beautifully. Because like it starts as a serious kung fu movie, like you see this guy, this cop, getting his ass kicked in by a gang leader, and you're like, oh, okay, here we go, like we're in we're in traditional kung fu territory, and then you get outside and then all of a sudden it leans in the axe gang comes and you have the the loud uh, big band music playing and they're like dancing and moving and gyrating with their axes and they're like doing this big choreograph thing and then like 
they all come forward, like the guys with Tommy guns, like come forward out of the front line of guys. Like it's just so beautifully choreographed, and I loved it. And I like the main, the the boss um, brother Sum. I love with his fucked up teeth, and he kind of always talks like this. <laughs> you know, he has that like yeah. draw at the end of his voice. When the movie began, and I couldn't remember this movie at all. Uh, I thought it was gonna be more of a violent, like, uh, but but uh, I thought it was gonna be more more violent, like more bloody, and definitely high octane. But I thought it would just I don't I don't know exactly. I thought it would be very quickly paced, brutal and ridiculous. But I wasn't quite prepared for it to be like schlock, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I was kind of taken taken uh, by surprise on that regard. I was expected Leslie Nielsen to show up. I was going to say, you're not a big trailer watcher, right, Jesse? N- um, sometimes. Not really, though. Especially not with, like, older movies, no. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I love trailers. I've always loved previews and shit like that. So, like, I'll always watch a trailer for a film. Unless you guys instruct me not to just to go and do it, like, blind. They spoil the whole movie nowadays. And, like, I'm like, oh, okay. I just watched the movie. Yeah, you know? so, I mean, like... When I watch the trailer, it's kind of like the, what is it, the abstract at the beginning of like a science research paper. Mm-hmm. And it just for some reason, it helps me slip into like the, the world of the movie so much better when I'm like, okay, this is what, this is, the trailer is like literally what they're trying to sell, right? So they're like, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do this. Sometimes it's a, sometimes it was really weird though. Like they wouldn't know how to market a movie. Like Fight Club is a really great example of this. So the trailer played up like, oh, it's Macho Guys fighting, starring Brad Pitt, and look at his muscles. And you're like, that's not <laughs> what the movie's about at all. But they just didn't know how to market it. So I think sometimes you're right. Yeah, it depends who has final cut of the trailer and who has artistic like license to make the trailer. If it's the studio and they don't know how to market a film, then you can get the Fight Club trailer, which is vastly unrepresentative of what the product is, you know? Um, although with something like, like this movie is pretty fucking obvious how you market it, right? So you're probably not going to go wrong, like figuring out what the tone of Kung Fu hustle is by looking (laughs) at the trailer. You're not going to be like, Oh, what's this serious romantic drama? Like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think to Alex's point, I mean, that's the reason trailers were made initially were like to slip you into the world and kind of lube up your brain for what they're made to get you in the theater yeah that's what i'm saying but they're they're made to make you attracted to the movie but i think that's a great thing to watch a trailer before seeing a film because it almost like lubes your brain up for the insertion of the movie you know like you're like okay i know what to expect now i know the tone that i'm going to you're not like uh, unpleasantly surprised which then can color Mm. your rest of the the take and then to respond to your fight club thing like I think they did that because I remember seeing the Fight Club trailer and being like, what the fuck? And I had already read the book. So I think that when they did the Fight Club, they already knew they had the book audience. So they were like, all right, we got to get like the machismo. We got to get the other group of people that won't come see this movie if they know it's like a high-minded drama. And so they like make it all like fighting and then you get the guy and then they already paid for the ticket. Yeah, it's hard because like when 300 came out, it had that like vibe where like all these dudes I knew who were like into fighting and were like super jocks and like broed out all the time. We're like, oh, this movie's fucking amazing. It's my favorite movie. Like, I want to get a tattoo. You know, this is Sparta, whatever. Fucking such bullshit. And I was always thinking to myself, like, do you know what the people look like that like wrote that comic? Like the people who create all of this material for you guys. Do you know what they look like? 
They look like me and Jeff. <laughs> yeah, like they're, they're like gooby nerds. They sit inside all day. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. It's like <laughs> the nerds write the films for the 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 like machismo dudes. Like they're like like a bunch of goofy nerd like history yeah. nerds. We're like, hey, let's take the three hundred story and make it for big cheese heads. <laughs> like that's just like that's a good but like I like the first three hundred movie as far as just like yeah. a like a action film. Oh, yeah. It's kind of fun. Oh, the yeah. second one is hot dog shit. I haven't even seen it. I remember it being watchable <laughs> and I forgot every frame of it. <laughs> I like Eva Green. She was in yeah, it. Yeah, she was alright. I remember that. I don't know if she was good in it or not. I'm just saying I she like was her. <laughs> she was in She's the She's a film. good actress. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but I think like to wrap up my feelings on this film, I don't know about you guys. Um, oh, you don't want to talk about it for another 40 minutes? <laughs> I don't think that's necessary. <laughs> uh, especially a movie like this. I think this film is super successful in its intention. Really successful in every single aspect of what it's trying to do. Whether it's choreography, of the fights, of the dancing, of the music. Whether it's acting, direction. It all just checks the boxes. I wouldn't call it schlock. I would call it a spoof movie. And spoof movies in general kind of sit in their own like pre-schlock category. But I still wouldn't give this movie like the schlock grade, personally. Mm. It rides the line for me a little bit. I think I liked it less than you two. My favorite scene, I didn't do my favorite scene or sequence. That's fine. It's actually, <laughs> this is going to be so douchey, but it's like just the little moments where she sees the lollipop and they make that connection. I like I liked that because it was like the only thing that I emotionally engaged with in the movie and I was like, oh, that's like, it's really constructed. It's really obviously constructed to have that character arc moment, but it it, it was like a moment of sweetness and I was like, oh, I like that. And that was my favorite moment. Uh, well, that's fair. I mean, that's um, fair. Yeah, I thought this movie was... It was too silly for me. I kind of tuned out, but I recognized that it was well done. Um, and that's that's me. All right. Well, we're going to redo the episode in Cantonese, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have you uh, do the <laughs> translation. Type it in. Yep. You get to type in Cantonese subtitles. We had somebody on, a, on an episode comment i think in cantonese like where are the subtitles and i did some digging i did some digging on this and i found out that a lot of our our vast amount of views come from like people watching chinese movies on youtube and then our stuff gets recommended somehow i have no idea why like they watch like full movies on youtube when you yeah like like this is like it'll be recommendations that exist on like the sidebar i think of full full Cantonese movies, and they'll be like, "Oh, you like that? Well, maybe go watch the Man on Fire review from these English nerds in <laughs> like, America." What in America? Oh, that's great. <laughs> I that's have no so idea how the algorithm works. Uh, Papa algorithm just fucking throwing us for a loop. Well, when we finally have merch, ladies and gentlemen, you'll find it on Alibaba. <laughs> I don't think any of them listen past 30 seconds. <laughs> that was such a solid joke. Oh Jeff approves. Oh Get man. Jeff's stamp of approval. Uh, yeah, but you know, like <laughs> like I was saying when we before we warmed to the mics, this is not a movie that you're supposed to dig into. Nah, it's just 
I wanted us it's to have not a, a movie fun that this you week. unpack. Yeah, you're not being like, what are the themes? I worked six days in a row this week, and I just didn't feel also like deep diving into a movie after just being like slogged with cooking work. So I was like, I want to watch something that's fun and lighthearted, and it's gonna make me smile, and not Willem Dafoe slamming hog into someone. That's that is light and cheerful. Uh, kid babies falling out of the window and you seeing them land. Oh, you're going to love next week's episode. Uh, I'm not, but yeah. You are. It's great. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I liked Antichrist, so I guess maybe. I think that's a good point, though, that you bring up, Jeff, that maybe we don't talk about enough on The Real Weirdos is, I mean, even Jesse, you brought it up a little bit, is like the headspace that you're in at the moment or even just like based on the week or the month you've had can really color and affect like the experience of the film. So yeah, when you've gone through, you know, Antichrist, Downfall, come on, come on, and then you kind of already have like a shitty week, this is the perfect movie to watch. If like you're breaking up with someone and you're eating your tub of ice cream, you know, put on this movie. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I had the opposite. I was like, I had a really chill week and I was like, I want to really deep dive into stuff. I was like really digging. I was really digging these movies that were like re- really getting into the minutia of an unpacking. And I'm like, I love was loving that. So that's why next week we're doing Titan. But um, that's but that's also the beauty of the the roundtable format here, in terms of mm-hmm. choices, right? Like you can when it's your turn, you can do whatever you want. I was a uh, I was sitting in traffic and I was like sweating and it was all hot and I decided I need to choose falling down. Right, <laughs> I need to show them this movie. That's so perfect. That's my way of catharsis, by the way, people. I'm not gonna go out myself mm. and go on some rampage uh, across that is, LA. That's I such hope a not. Good, that that I mean that episode has my single favorite We Are Weirdos moment ever. Yeah, the siren. Yep. The siren. Oh yeah, we didn't even call attention to it. Yeah. yeah. When Alex is giving this like intense, beautifully worded description of his feel of LA, and then you just hear those sirens go by. It's just <laughs> it's perfect. It is uh, it is absolute perfection. And you know what? So's this episode. Don't let anyone tell you <laughs> otherwise. Baby, tight, tight as a drum. Yep. Yeah. Well that's us, the real weirdos, two and a half white men with English degrees talking about movies for way too goddamn long. And that's Kung Fu Hustle. Check it out at your local theater. <laughs> and uh, we'll see y'all next week for Titan and Kung Fu My Hustle. All right. Enjoy your croissants. Now our podcast is done and we have to run. We know it is sad, but we had so much fun. Don't be bereft, Jesse, Alex, and Jeff. We'll be back real soon. The Real Weirdos. We talk about movies for way too goddamn long. Boo, 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 boo.